The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. We gather to worship Almighty God, to illumine the imagination by the beauty of God, to quicken the conscience by the holiness of God, to warm the heart by the love of God, to devote the will to the purposes of God. The liturgy, the first Sunday in Lent, the music, beautiful music of Benjamin Britten, and the homily this day, a personal word of personal faith, are offered for our gathered congregation here at Marsh Chapel, for our radio congregation across New England at WBUR 90.9 FM, and for our internet listenership around the globe at WBUR.org. We welcome your prayerful and material support, your written or emailed responses, your self-selection of forms of ministry in our midst, and as the Spirit moves, come Sunday, your presence with us in worship. This is the day the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. As we are able, may we stand in the praise of God.
may we pray together. Almighty God, whose blessed Son was led by the Spirit to be tempted by Satan, come quickly to help us who are assaulted by many temptations. And as you know the weaknesses of each of us, let each one find you mighty to save through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Please be seated. A lesson from St. Paul's Epistle to the Romans, chapter 10, verses 8 through 13. The word is near you on your lips and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. Because if you confess with your lips that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For one believes with the heart and so is justified, and one confesses with the mouth and so is saved. The scripture says, no one who believes in him will be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. The same Lord is Lord of all and is generous to all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. The word of the Lord. Please join me in reading responsibly verses from Psalm 91. the shelter of the Most High, who abide in the shadow of the Almighty, will say to the Lord, My refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Because you have made the Lord your refuge, the Most High your dwelling place, no evil shall befall you, no scourge come near your tent, for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. On their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the adder, the young lion and the serpent you will trample underfoot. Those who love me I will deliver. I will protect those who know my name. When they call to me, I will answer them. I will be with them in trouble. I will rescue them and honor them. With long life I will satisfy them and show them my salvation. And now please rise as you are able for the singing of the Gloria Patri and the reading of the Gospel.
Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. Luke, chapter 4, verses 1 through 13. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing at all during those days, and when they were over, he was famished. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become a loaf of bread. Jesus answered him, It is written, One does not live by bread alone. Then the devil led him up and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And the devil said to him, To you I will give their glory and all this authority, for it has been given over to me, and I give it to anyone I please. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered him, It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil took him to Jerusalem and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to protect you, and on their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, It is said, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished every test, he departed from him until an opportune time. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you, Lord Christ. Please be seated. There come wintry episodes in the course of a snow-battered lifetime that place us deep in the shadows. If the shadow is dark enough, we may not feel able to move forward, for our foresight, insight, and eyesight are so limited. We may become frozen, snowed in. You may have known this condition of confusion or disorientation, ennui or asedia. You may know it today. The death of a loved one can bring such a feeling. The loss of a position or job can bring such a feeling. The recognition of a major life mistake can bring such a feeling. The recollection of a past loss can bring such a feeling. The disappearance of a once radiant affection or love for a person, cause, or institution can bring such a feeling. The senselessness of violence inflicted on the innocent can bring such a feeling. With me over the years, you may have become frustrated by our own mother tongue in various ways. English places such a fence, for instance, between thought and feeling. When real thought is almost always deeply felt, and real feeling is almost always keenly thought. We need new words, or another word, like thought feeling or felt thought. When Charles Wesley sang, Unite the pair so long disjoined, knowledge and vital piety, learning and holiness combined, and truth and love for all to see, he describes something so bone marrow close to life, happiness, hope, ministry, faith. And he also may have been wrestling, as we do, with the limits of our mother tongue. You by nature and discipline, you faithful ones, you live daily the thought-feeling gospel, and for that we are lastingly faithful. 
Be it then thought or feeling or thought feeling, there do come episodes all in a lifetime that place us, if not in the dark, at least well into the shadows. You may have known all about this at one time. You may know about it today. Come Sunday, some snippet of song or verse or preachment or prayer, it may be, will touch you as you meander about in the dim shadow twilight. Hold on to that snippet. Follow its contours along the cave of darkness in which you now move. Let that snippet, that song, that verse, that sermon, that prayer, let it guide you along so you may be able to murmur to yourself, I I can do this. I can make my way. I can find a handhold or a foothold. I can abide in the shadow. For now, at least, I can abide here. I can make it for now, at least for now, for the time being. This Lent, we shall await a word about war and peace, about drones and defense, about our beloved country in this year of our Lord, 2013. We also, and rightly, will desire a word of interpretation about passages in Scripture like Genesis 22, Romans 10, and Luke 4, read today. This Lent, we will rightly desire a communication about how to live in discipline, obedience, and faith during a time of penitence and preparation. And we will want a word or two from our Lenten conversation this year, Lenten conversation partner this year, Marilyn Robinson. All, all in due time. Today, first though, the word near to us, on our lips and in our heart, is a word of faith, the given courage to abide in the shadow. Health is such a word and very salvation for those who are maybe just now stumbling about a bit and stumbling about in the dark. On this plea for faith, all our other Lenten attentions depend. So says the 91st Psalm. Today, the psalmist lifts a hymn of faith, a song of courage in the face of adversity, and speaks from his own experience. He teaches like a grandfather teaching a granddaughter, spinning a fishing fly, boiling the sap in the sugar house, watching together a basketball game, seeing the sun set. Given the wintry snares, cold air illness, icy night terrors, and snowbound disease, destruction, evil scourge, and wild beasts of this very day, it could be for you that a sober reading of Psalm 91, which is a trusting hymn of a faithful heart, will sustain you this morning. In the psalm together, we are promised divine deliverance in five ways. So, deliverance from snares. Our singer is a person of simple faith. He really has one and only one word for us. You are covered. Abide in the shadow. We could make many complaints about this hymn and its singer. He has a dangerously simple view of evil, especially for the complexity of a postmodern world. 
He has a way of implying that trust or belief are rewarded with safety, a notion that Jesus in Luke 13 scornfully dismisses and we know to be untrue from our experience. He has an appalling lack of interest in the scores of others other than the ones to whom he sings who fall by the wayside. He seems to celebrate a foreordained, foreknown providence that ill fits our sense of the openness of God to the future and the open freedom God has given us for the future. He makes dramatic and outlandish promises, not about what might happen, but about what will be. As a thinking theologian, this psalmist of Psalm 91 fails. He fails us in our need to rely on something sounder and truer than blind faith. He seems to be whistling past the graveyard. And yet, for those who have walked past a February graveyard or two, for those who have walked the valley of the shadow of death, for a country at war for a decade now, for a world searching to match its ideals of peace with its realities of hatred, for you today if you are in the cave, stumbling about in the dark, if you are worried today about others and other snares and other traps and other graves, that you've hid, seen the hidden traps, the unforeseeable dangers, the steel-jawed snares of life, as many of us have, there's something profoundly encouraging about this heartfelt song so sung, he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler. So, two, deliverance from illness. Our writer is not a philosopher. He is a musician, perhaps, but not a systematic thinker. He has one interest, getting by, getting through, getting out, and getting home. So he does not worry about the smaller stuff. In fact, we have a sense that the psalmist is desperate. His song is one for that point on the road when you just have to go ahead and risk and jump. You have made your assessment. You have made your plan. You have made your study. You have prayed. Yet you see all around you the pestilence in homes and institutions and nations and you wonder is what I am about to risk for the future worth the risk for the future? And you are not sure. This hymn of the heart, Psalm 91, is one you sing when you are not sure but you are confident. Not certain but confident. You can be confident without being certain. In fact, a genuine, honest confidence includes the confidence to admit that you are not sure. Faith means risk. Isn't that part of what we mean by faith? Our writer is at that point, maybe you are today, that point of decision. And once you are there, you have to choose between walking forward and slinking away, and in a way it becomes very simple like this psalm. Either God lives or not, either God is in Christ or not, either God in Christ touches us by spirit or not, either we move forward in faith or not, so 
choose. And the psalmist wants his student or grandson or parishioner to choose in faith. So he urges, abide in the shadow of the Almighty. He will deliver you from the deadly pestilence. So, deliverance from night terror. Our psalmist is speaking just here to our immediate need for those who may have had dreams and nightmares last evening, last night. Says he, fear not the terror of the night. Now it is morning, smile, go about your discipleship, pray, study, learn, make peace, love your neighbor, agree to disagree agreeably, Everyone be convinced in his or her own mind the night is not as terrifying as you fear. You will not fear the terror of the night. So, deliverance from noonday, destruction. It is in the heart of the psalm that one senses the singer's desperation. There is an irrational side to his message. Thousands will fall, but you will be spared, he sings. It will not help us to ask about the ethics of this promise, nor will it help us to question the sense of destiny involved here. We may hear this psalm in another way. We hear it as a father's prayer, a mother's dearest hope. Prayer that noonday destruction will not come near you. I pray that noonday destruction will not come near you. I remember a daycare center where I used to see notes pinned to the coats and sweaters of daycare toddlers at age three and four entering. A little note. This psalm is a note pinned to the shirt of a loved one heading into danger. When there's nothing else we can give our daughters and sons, we want them to have faith, faith to go forward bravely without being sure of what they will find at noonday. And we are passionately desperate for one hope, that they will be secured. And we sing the song without any chords of doubt because we want to admit none. We make no uncertain sound because we want our beloved to carry no worry. We hear the word. You will not fear the destruction that wastes at noonday. So, deliverance from evil. The teacher implores his student to make God his dwelling place, his home, to rest in God so that all else is secondary. Evil will not befall or at least will not define such an one. But How can someone escape all evil? We know better. We know that evil touches us all. But this misses the the meaning, the heart of the poem. The writer is praying in the same way that we do every Sunday, come Sunday. Deliver her from evil. Not from some or most or almost all evil, but deliver her from evil. Religion is a matter of the heart before it is a matter of the head. Religion is a matter of the heart before it is a matter of the head. As John Wesley said, the mind 
is the bit and bridle, but the heart is the great horse, the mighty steed of faith. He will give his angels charge of you to guard you in all your ways. On their hands they will bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. So we pray. And then the final verses of the psalm, I will deliver him, deliverance from snares, illness to terror, destruction and evil, but our psalm ends, as does this sermon, at the edge of a remarkable announcement, like lightning flashing over a darkened sky, or like a burst of sunlight separating clouds, the voice of the poem shifts, did you notice? At the end, God speaks directly to the human heart, to us, to you and me. It is a shift devoutly to be desired come Sunday. All of the speaking, from teacher to student and grandfather to granddaughter, and all of the instructional lines are now interrupted on a grand scale and on a profound scale. Like Yahweh addressing Job, the psalm ends with a divine word. It is a shift devoutly to be desired. It is what we hope will happen with every one of our children, of every one of our loved ones. It is what we hope will happen in every one of our worship services. Frankly, it is what we hope will happen in the course of every sermon. A moment, a snippet, a verse, a song, a prayer, a word, when all the rest of it gives way. And now the fumbling voice of the teacher is replaced by the voice of the divine and the Lord speaks in the first person and his word is a lasting joy. I will deliver him. I will protect him. I will answer him. I will be with him. I will rescue him. I will honor him. Faith is only faith when it's the only thing you have to go on. And when we have nothing else to go on, there is something irreducibly solid, something strong, something good, the divine voice in the faithfulness of Christ to which you and I, to which we may cleave and cling. Finally, this is what brings you to the pew and me to the pulpit and us to the church. The hope that something may be said and heard that is divine and saving and satisfying and true. In the silence that follows all our speaking, like the priestly verses that follow the human voice at the end of this psalm, may we hear something this Lord's Day it changes everything for the better. So Charles Wesley, as ever, in perfect pitch. Let us plead for faith alone, faith which by our works is shown. God it is who justifies, only faith the grace supplies.
Active faith that lives within, conquers hell and death and sin, hallows whom it first made whole, forms the Savior in the soul. Let us pray. Grant us, we ask, the grace to abide in thy shadow. Grant us, we ask, the freedom to abide in thy shadow. Grant us, we pray, the love this day to abide in thy shadow. Amen.
Thank you. 
May we pause to offer our thanks to Patrick Waters and Douglas Dodson and Justin Blackwell for the music they have provided this morning. As ever also, we are grateful for the leadership of our Marsh Chapel Choir and today for the wonderfully written program notes about the canticle that have been provided by Emily Isaacson. We're grateful to her as well. We draw your attention to the worship program today and ask you to include in your thinking about the following week the additional notes that the Dean's Table is open on Wednesday evening. All are welcome. See the description in the program itself. The luncheon originally scheduled for this afternoon has been postponed. Our office tomorrow is closed for the holiday. And we invite you to support the ministry of the chapel either here during the offering that awaits us now or uh, from afar in sending and supporting us in our music and ministry as you are able. Take a moment as a congregation to use and sign the red pads in the pews that are next to the aisle, and then we may be able to greet one another following service for brief conversation by name. The ushers will wait upon us as we present our morning offering.
Oh God, in your word it says that where two or three are gathered in your name, there you will be also. And so we come here today despite the wind and the cold and the snow on this blustery winter day. Please use these gifts to help those who do not have warmth or fire or shelter to guard them from the wind and the snow. In your name we pray. Amen. Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you peace. In the name of the creator, redeemer, and sustainer. Amen.